for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. Welcome to episode 158 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We wrap up the year 2014 with a great interview with Marcelo Bravo, one of the creators behind Primal the Jungle Warrior. He's in the middle of a Kickstarter campaign, which you can find by going, of course, to kickstarter.com and look under Primal, which is spelled P-R-Y-M-A-L. The project will be funded on Tuesday, January the 6th, 2015 at 11.15 p.m. Eastern Time, but I'm sure he'd appreciate your support, so be sure to go by there. We talk about all the good things that make Primal a great comic and the enthusiasm he has for the industry and for the project. We talk about the industry as well as what a Kickstarter project means to people and how to have a successful campaign. There's a lot to get to, so let's get on with the show. Welcome to the podcast, Marcelo Bravo, one of the creators behind Primal. Which title do you go by now? Primal the Jungle Warrior? Is that what we're going by? The Jungle Warrior. That's yeah. correct. The Jungle Warrior. Okay, good. I want to make sure about that. Because are you having different miniseries going on? I have to admit to being a little out of the loop on this one because I have you normally get to talk with you guys, and you guys were at SuperCon, the Florida SuperCon, but I don't think I met you guys. I remember hearing from folks about you, but I never actually got to physically talk to you. So yeah, we were at SuperCon. We were down there with Tim Vigil, and he was at our, or we were at his booth, or he was at our booth, however you want to call it. <laughs> I mean, we had a great time at the SuperCon. It was fantastic. As a matter of fact, we will be at the Miami Magic City comic book convention, I believe, in January, Mm -hmm. and Tim will be there, and I'll be there with him as well, and we are sharing a table once again. Very cool, very cool. What about Megacon in Orlando? Are you going to go to that next year? I am planning on it, yes. Uh, uh, Yeah, yeah, the plan is to hit as many conventions as we can this year, so let's see. Good. Well, that's good. Well, why don't we dive into Primal, the Jungle Warrior. Now, Primal, of course, is spelled with a Y. If you start looking for P-R-I-M-A-L, you might get something else. But this is P-R-Y-M-A-L, the Jungle Warrior. So people want to look it up. And you guys are from Maelstrom Comics. And that's, of course, spelled differently, too. M-A-E-L. S-T-R-O-M, comics.com. So you're challenging us with your spelling, sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we didn't want to do the, the whole primal thing. And listen, we've had a couple of people ask us or make comments, should I say, well, why not just call it primal with an I? That's ridiculous. So we've had a few of those. But, you know, we wanted to be different and we didn't want to just be without using elementary terms. You know, we didn't want to be the same as everybody else. So right. we wanted to kind of make it stand out as much as possible. So we went with the Y instead of the I. Okay, so why don't you tell people what Primal the Jungle Warrior is all about for those of us that haven't seen it. I haven't a chance to read it yet, so I'm learning along with everybody else. 
No, that's great, Wayne. I appreciate you asking about it, and I will get you some copies as soon as possible of number okay. one and number two. So, <laughs> yeah. So Eric and I came up with the concept of Primal 2006, roughly 2005, and originally she was part of a superhero team. And this, of course, is back when I think superhero teams weren't as big as they are now. So a few years went by, and we decided to kind of dust her off and bring her out again, just her by herself without the superhero team. And this was during the course of this year in January. So it's been about a year now, going on a year, where we kind of dusted off the character and said, you know what, let's do something with it. You know, she's a very attractive character. You know, I think that just in the looks alone, not even based on her abilities, but on her looks alone, we both thought we would get some type of attention mm-hmm. in the comic book, in the indie comic world. So mm-hmm. to your point earlier, you were saying that there's a couple different titles out. And yeah, there are. There's actually two titles out for her right now. One is The Visitor, which is a story written by David Quinn and illustrated by Tim Vigil, the, the great Tim Vigil. Mm-hmm. That story is a separate story on its own. I kind of, you know, I was I contacted Tim and asked him if he would be willing to pencil some pages for us. Mm-hmm. And apparently him and David are pretty close. So he called me one day from David's house and said, hey, David is interested in potentially writing this for you. Are you okay with that? And uh, I said, of course, you know, absolutely. And I kind of let him take the reins on it. I, I didn't bother either of them on the story. I said, just take it. Go with it. I did a little bit of an overview of it, and they took it and ran with it. So mm-hmm. the visitor is, is fantastic. I mean, it's illustrated beautifully. The writing is it's top notch, you know, and it's separate from the story arc that Eric and I created. And to kind of answer your question, and I don't want to spoon feed anybody too much, but just a real broad brush story overview is she is basically the world jungle protector. So she's in a position where she's been given the power of the primal. Mm-hmm. And that's why the story is called the primal, mm-hmm. or primal, I should say. And she's given these abilities where she's able to mimic different animals' abilities. Mm-hmm. So she can become fast as a cheetah, or jump as far as a big jungle cat would jump, or mm-hmm. as fierce as a tiger. Mm-hmm. She could grow gills and swim in the water. And this was a power that was bestowed upon her on an ancient race of Atlanteans that end up in the Amazon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the adventures follow her in the jungle, and... What I think is interesting about it is that you're mixing a real savage type of story arc with dinosaurs and strange animals and creatures. But at the same time, you know, you got natives throwing spears at her and the bones in the nose and the bows and the arrows. And then at the same time, you have different organizations in the world that she lives in that are trying to find how this power works. So they're constantly going into this jungle and looking for her. So you have a good feel of machine guns and more modern technology, and then you have this savage world as well at the same time where she's running around basically in a tiger suit or mm-hmm. tiger bikini, mm-hmm. swinging from vine to vine. So mm-hmm. that's kind of the niche behind it is to make it a little different is what we've done. So. Mm-hmm. Well, I like the look of it, and it sounds interesting to me. Now, I have to ask, is she based in Africa? No, it's actually – she's in the rainforest in South America. Okay, good. Okay. There was a TV show called The Thornberries. Oh, I remember that. I do. It drove me nuts because in the middle of Africa, (laughs) this young white British girl is more in tune with nature than all the people who have lived in Africa for for centuries. And I was just sort of, that. that, to this day, that's still, you can tell, it it just gets to me that this one young white British girl gets all this power and ability to deal with nature. And so I was just praying, please don't let her be in Africa. Please don't let her be in Africa. No, no. As as a matter of fact, um, the character, she's a Brazilian female, native to the edge of where the Brazilian rainforest really gets deep. And we've done our homework, so we've actually studied where the worst parts in, in Brazil of where the Amazon jungle gets real thick and the way in 
you know, eventually as the story continues, you realize that she was an orphan captured by a bunch of slave traders in the Amazon jungle. And then she's found by this ancient race of Atlanteans that take her into their society. And that's where she becomes this warrior and she possesses these powers from them. So, Okay, very cool. So, uh, well, that's one thing that makes her different from, say, like Tarzan or something like that, is she's based in South America. What other things make her different, besides being a female as opposed to Tarzan being a, a guy? What other things about her make her kind of stand out from other jungle heroes? As the story evolves, what you'll find is that, and again, I'm not trying to give away too much because mm-hmm. issue three and four will explain a little more of, of what I've just spoken about. But okay. what you'll find as, as the story continues is that there's a particular area in the deep, deep, deep Amazon where she's able to transcend dimensions. Hmm. In the story, while she protects the Amazon jungle here on our plane, hmm. she's also able to travel into where she is adopted into. Oh. So it's actually another world, obviously similar to Earth. It's not anything too far off. But when she travels into this area, it's still very ancient in the sense that – think of ancient Atlantis – I mean, however you see it in your mind, Mm -hmm. think of ancient Atlantis, but very advanced in civilization, Mm -hmm. where that's what she's able to travel to, Mm. and she lives there. So there'll be some adventures that take place in that dimension as well, Mm. but because she's more Earth human than anything else, she feels a a connection to the Amazon and the forest, Mm -hmm. so that's why she travels back and forth between dimensions. Mm -hmm. So what makes her different is... I think that sets her apart is that she's able to transverse these two areas between the earth that we know it and this other, this other reality. Mm-hmm. Well, the more I think about it, the more I'm glad that she's in South America and the whole business in the rainforest stuff because there's a lot of attention being paid to the rainforest these days. And to have like a defender or somebody who's involved with that, that's a, that's a whole lot better than it was over in Africa. Not to say that's a bad thing, but we've seen that before. And so to see something new like this is really great. I really like that. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, it's your point. We didn't want to make it just like, I know there's tons of other characters out there, like these attractive looking females in the jungle. Like, you know, we get that. Mm-hmm. But we wanted to make it just a little more different. And I think that adding that continuity to it where she's able to go into this other dimension, the, the, the possibilities are endless because there's this whole other culture of people that live there. And they're essentially Atlanteans, mm-hmm. only that they're very advanced. And what you'll find is in these next issues is that there's a tear in the fabric of time and space and dinosaurs start escaping from their world into ours hmm. and back and forth. So it's a heavy story arc relying on dinosaurs, and then you have a lot of advanced technology. So it, it gets really interesting, and you'll see that as the story progresses that you'll see a lot more of that happening. Okay, well, that's, that sounds good. Really, it sounds interesting because I've – you know, the one thing on comics that I'm really desperate for is something different that I haven't read before. And so hearing what oh, yeah. you're doing, that makes it, it – it really sounds like a good book because of that because you're not going to say, well, you know, Tarzan did this, so we need to have her do that kind of stuff. No. You're going somewhere right. different. I like that a lot. Appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. That was a struggle that Eric and I – we were really thinking hard on that and saying, you know, how do we set ourselves apart? Yeah. To your point, it's really easy to bash a comic and say – that's just Batman, or that's just Superman, or that's yeah. you know X character. But when you start throwing in different aspects of a story and saying, "Well, let's throw this into the mix," and sometimes it doesn't work. You know, the, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes the chemistry just simply isn't there. But mm-hmm. every now and then you get a good idea. You know, so it, <laughs> it works out. Well, that's good because it's a unique take on what's a classic genre. 
Jungle Heroes. And you guys have actually found something that's really different from everybody else. And, you know, when you figure after decades and decades of people looking for it, you figure that's been pretty much mined by now. But that's great that you're able to come up with something new and different. I really like that. I think that's such a great accomplishment for you guys. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I hope that our readers see that. And we've gotten a lot of really good reviews from folks who've received the book and purchased it from us. I'm not trying to toot our own horn here. I'm, I'm being realistic. I, mm-hmm. I could tell you that the one thing David Quinn was asking me the other day, we were having a conversation. He says to me, well, what sets you apart from everyone else or, or what sets Maelstrom Comics apart from everybody else? And the one thing I said was it's the quality, the overall quality. We got some really great talent working with us and we're always looking for big names to come work with us and to help on this journey that we've taken. But, you know, Wayne, on, on the other side of that, we're also looking for folks that are maybe just getting started in the industry, like our colorist, Russell Vincent Yu, who's in the Philippines. This kid has been great. I mean, mm. he colors the hell out of these books, and he's unknown. I mean, you know, he, he's known maybe in the Deviant Art community, mm-hmm. but the kid is he's fantastic. And Eric Nelson is starting out as well. You know, he's been in comics for a while, but he's the, the main penciler. And they're just guys who want to make it big someday in the industry. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I've surrounded myself with people who really know what they're doing. You know, Jed Doherty, who did a couple covers for us, he works for DC now. You know, mm-hmm. the guy where he's a DC artist. <laughs> and he's incredible too, you know. And then you got the Tim Vigils of the world and David mm-hmm. Quinn of the world. Mm-hmm. And these guys are just fantastic too. So we try to surround ourselves with people who know what they're doing to give that quality back. And I told David, this is what I'm telling you now. And I said, my niche, personally, what I feel is that I'm going to give you 24 pages and what you're seeing on the cover is what you're going to see inside. Mm-hmm. So you're never going to see a really nice, bright, beautiful cover and you open the book and it's black and white mm-hmm. and it looks like garbage. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you the best quality possible. Wow. So. Boy, that's good because that's not always the case in comics these days. <laughs> it is not. It is not. Sadly, there's a lot of books you're excited about. You pick the book up. You start to read it. You go, ugh. You know, and no, the- I, I agree. Yeah, I'm glad that you're, you're committed to quality because quality is, you know, they call it show business for a reason because the business aspect is it we're, we're trying to make money, but so many people forget the show aspect of it, and it sounds like you've got that, you know, balanced out real nicely. Well, I'll tell you, everyone obviously has their opinions on art, and everyone has their opinion on stories, but I could tell you that from my perspective anyway, mm-hmm. we've put a lot of our heart and soul into this and my wife and I argue at least once a month because you know, she's, you know, I'm saying to her, look, I got to pay this person this. I got to pay this person that. You know, I'm spending X amount of money to do this. And she's very supportive. I kid when I say that. I'm only joking. But she's been very supportive through this whole thing. But it's a passion. You know, it really is. I'm not looking to get rich. No one's looking to get rich off this. We're looking to do it because we like it, Wayne. You know, yep. we simply just love – we love telling a story. We love writing something and seeing it come to life. Mm-hmm. That's really my big thing. So – it's kind of interesting because ever since I've, I came to Florida here about May, I've come into so many people down here in Florida who love comics and are, and are making really good comics. And you guys are, are part of that bunch. There's Think Alike. There's, oh, goodness, there's so many of them. Uh, Dark Side Global, yeah, all kinds Dark of Dark Side Global. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, there's a bunch of great guys. I was just talking to Alex from Dark Side Global today, and I was also talking to uh, Ruben from Think Alike. Yeah. And there's a couple companies down here, man. There's the, I know the guy who does Salvagers is from down here also. Mm-hmm. I believe his name is Bob, who's also a great guy. And it's a community of just comic guys who have their own studios, and we're trying to make it, man. We're trying to make it, even if we don't get a movie deal out of it. At least we're doing what we care about and what we're passionate about, so... See, it's so interesting to me because, like, DC now is moving over to the West Coast instead of being in New York. So all a lot of the comics things are shifting over to the West Coast, but yet there are so many people here on the East Coast that are making good quality stories. And I'm really glad for that because, you know, otherwise we'd feel like everything has to be shipped to us from the West Coast. 
So I'm glad you guys are doing that. We were on the phone. Alex and I were talking to Ruben a couple of days ago, and we were having the same conversation similar to what I'm having with you now mm-hmm. about really producing quality work and trying to figure out how we could benefit one another by working a little closer, possibly. And like I said, Alex and I have become real close. The guys from Darkside Global, we've become pretty close because, look, man, at the end of the day, this is a dog-eat-dog business. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't care how you cut it, how you look at it. At the end of the day... It's dog eat dog, and if you could support one another, if these indie companies could support one another and help one another out rather than bickering and fighting over nonsense, mm-hmm. indie comics, I think, are making a comeback. You know, I oh, think yeah. it's, uh, I was reading on someone's post the other day on a social networking site where they were saying how DC and Marvel books just aren't cutting. And of course, a small percentage of people who feel that way, but, mm-hmm. and I was quick to jump in there and say, Support your local Kickstarter. Jump on Kickstarter. See who needs help. You know, support these people because they're the ones that are making things more interesting nowadays. Mm-hmm. So well, it's interesting you bring that up because these days it seems like I'm talking to so many people who get funding through Kickstarter so they can do these things themselves. And while we're talking, this are you are in the middle of your second Kickstarter. Why don't you talk a little bit about that and what you're hoping to accomplish with that? Thanks, Wayne. Absolutely. We are on our second Kickstarter, as you mentioned. Statistically speaking, (laughs) December is not a good month for Kickstarters when it comes to the comic industry. Mm-hmm. We've seen some success so far. We still have 20 days to go, and we're at a pretty substantial amount of backers. Mm-hmm. And is there a secret formula to guarantee a successful Kickstarter? There is not. There is no secret formula. Mm-hmm. I get asked the question all the time, how did you guys do so well the first time and doing so well the second time? Mm-hmm. And I could tell you that, number one, you got to be really passionate about what you're doing, meaning that goes back to the comment about the quality. Mm-hmm. So if I got to spend some money on getting an artist that can illustrate something really well for me and put it onto the Kickstarter page and say, this is what you will get, then that's what you will give the donor. Mm-hmm. So that's number one is backing up what you're saying, having a good presentation, and then having tiers that are affordable to everybody. Mm-hmm. We struggled with the tiers in the beginning because I said, uh, I want someone to be able to spend 10 bucks and get themselves something that they feel is worth their time and donation. And then obviously, you know, we have the higher tiers for people that might be able to afford a little more. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the tiers, Wayne, mm-hmm. we're really offering some really great stuff. I mean, we got metal covers. We have the original copies of one and two. We have smaller metal cards. We have large cover metal covers, mm-hmm. metal pinups, which by the way, I'm going to give a shout out to my buddy over at Fairy Metal. Jacob's been great. And then we have tons of prints. We have Tim Vigil signing stuff. We have... David Quinn signing stuff. We got Tim's brother, Joe Vigil, signing stuff. We got scripts from the original that uh, David Quinn wrote. We have scripts available. We have the pre-black and white copies of what the book looks like, attached to the full color what the book looks like, uh, The Visitor. We have a lot of stuff. So it's having a variety of tiers and variety of donations available. And then, as I mentioned, having some really good passion, putting a lot of passion in what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, Kickstarter to me, a lot of people... I see them taking what I call the Jonathan Winters approach to it. He was Maude Frickard, and if you ever remember, dressed up like an older lady. And there was a skit where she was supposedly selling greeting cards for a million dollars each. <laughs> and the person is asking, well, why in the world are you selling them for a million dollars? And she goes, I need just one customer, just one, she goes. <laughs> And, and, you know, a lot of Kickstarters seem to do that. They want to get like a, like $500 and, you know, and you $5, $10 people, you don't really count. And you guys have taken it the smart way, I think. And that's why you're successful with it. And other people are doing that same thing. You're looking at everybody and making it possible for people to support. And you, you gain fans that way, too. So that sounds like a pretty good way to do it. 
I agree. You have to put a value on things. And obviously what people have to understand is that while we're doing this because we're passionate, mm-hmm. we're doing it because there's also money to be made because the more that we make, the more things that we're able to do in the future. Mm-hmm. So this project, you know, I, I've told this to other people before. A lot of this is coming out of my own pocket. This is starter money. This is money to help out. Mm-hmm. Kickstarter. I mean, it's helping you kickstart something. Mm-hmm. You know, it, if it helps you fund the whole thing, that's great. But in reality, a lot of this comes out of your own pocket. So this is kind of a jump start, mm-hmm. and it really just helps you get going, so that later on you're able to produce again and give people back what they want. Mm-hmm. So a big part of it is that. Now this time you're funding issues three and four, right? Yes, sir. That's correct. Okay. Now, if people want to find it on Kickstarter, what do they need to look for? You could find us on Facebook as well. If you mm-hmm. want to just go through a link through there, you can just look up Primal the Jungle Warrior on Facebook, or you can go on Kickstarter and just look up Primal, P-R-Y-M-A-L, and both our Kickstarters will pop up. Okay. Well, I still have a couple of questions. I didn't want to sound like I was wrapping things up. Oh, no, no. I'm But here, I've, I've got a couple of <laughs> things to, to ask you about. I'm kind of fascinated about the art, because a lot of times when there are female characters involved, people often use models. Or they have, like like George Perez, for example, he has a lot of women characters and the stuff that he does, and he usually patterns them after women that he knows. And I just wondered, when it came to Primal, was there a female character that was sort of the inspiration for how she looks, or how did that come to be? Yeah, that's a great question. Eric and I were talking about that, and he said, uh, you know, we were figuring out what she looks like. Mm-hmm. You know, South American women, and I'm I'm married to a Cuban woman, so, <laughs> oh. so I, I know this by experience. Mm-hmm. But South American women and Cuban women are, in my opinion, some of those beautiful women in the world. Ah, <laughs> so, okay. cer- certainly, my wife fits into that category because she's very attractive. So, it's just, okay. So, um, you know, when we were first talking about that, I said, you know, what? I I don't want to go with the black hair or the red hair or the blonde. You know, I said, let's do something different. He's like, well, you know, let's go with the white hair. I think that would be pretty cool. You know, we we can kind of explain that later on. Is that being part of her? She gained the white hair because of who she is. She has the primal, so whatever. But it was probably as simple as looking at some Brazilian models and going, okay, ah. hey. That was it right there. Okay. You know, know, the attractive athletic body and Mm -hmm. not too muscular to the point where it's unattractive, but certainly somebody who's running through the jungle all day long Mm -hmm. has to have some muscle attached to Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Especially if they're a warrior, we don't want them to necessarily be a little out of shape. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was really what we modeled her after was the beautiful Brazilian women. (laughs) And we kind of threw in our own two cents when we gave her the white hair. So Mm -hmm. That's great. Now, as far as the tiger aspects of, her, of, of what she's wearing she wears kind of like a tiger head on her head and she's got what looks like tiger skin on the other parts you know what was the inspiration for that as opposed to well of course there aren't probably aren't any lions in south america so that's probably why that would work but there, there <laughs> right, must be right. tigers in there so was the fact that tigers are in south american jungles is that why she's wearing the costume that she does so, so the original concept behind that was that it's a great question because we've had the question asked to us of, well, she's supposed to be this jungle warrior who's protecting the Amazon. Mm-hmm. Why does she kill a tiger, skin it, and put its pelt on her head? <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was one of the questions we got. Mm-hmm. And again, without spoon-feeding anybody too much, part of the process is that and this reminds me a lot of how the Spartans would become part of the Spartan army where they had to go through a certain boot camp, if you will. And at the end of the boot camp, they would be awarded their sword and their shields and their weapons and gear. And in the story arc, and again, you'll see this as you're reading the book, she actually fights this 
spiritual tiger, if you will, okay? okay? And this is like the last trial of the primal test. And at the end of the battle, this tiger basically lays down to you and you take its life. And then as a metaphoric way of speaking, it offers its head to you. And then this is this helmet that she wears on her head. However, we've kind of gone a step further and the helmet, rather than being more mystical than anything else, and, and again, you guys, will, everyone will see this as the book progresses. The helmet, it's like a futuristic type of helmet or computer that you wear on your head and it enables your body to have these powers which are the ones that she's able to exhibit these abilities that she's able to exhibit but it gets more complicated than that but you know we didn't want to make it where she just killed a tiger and put put its belt on her head we wanted to make it a little more complicated so pete would be knocking on your door if you had done something like that Um, you know actually it's funny you mentioned that on my first kickstarter i was thinking how do i generate some funds for the world wildlife federation while i'm doing this you know what i'm thinking you know what maybe a lot of the proceeds will go to that and then the donors can get a stuffed animal or a stuffed tiger or something and it, it, it just it wouldn't have worked out but that was my original thought Mm-hmm. It figures. Sometimes people take things to extremes, it seems like. And so it's good that you're doing those kinds of things in a conscious sensibility as some folks have, because that'll help the comic in the long run, sounds like. So that, that's good. Why don't we talk a little bit about you know, the timing of the books and how many they've come out and, and how you get them. Issue number one. When did issue number one come out? So issue number one came out, let me see, we're in December. So that would have been... August, around August, September is when we started getting everybody there. Well, okay, let me go back. It was available on the website. It first started seeing printing in September. Okay. I printed a few copies of it to take with me to the Supercon, and I wanted to see how it would measure up to everybody else who was there, mm-hmm. and we did pretty good, but... The idea behind it was because it's two issues at a time, we wanted to do it where the book is released every other month. So Mm. it's a bi-monthly book. Mm. So the books are available now online at maelstromcomics.com. It's available on there. And right now, I'm actually, Wayne, believe it or not, I'm actually back-ordered right now because I have to order more books. I'm back-ordered. Cool. Yeah, we've been selling out pretty well, and we still have the Tim Vigil books on there. And Tim has been great enough to help out. If someone wants a book signed or something, you could always buy the... Tim Vigil signed copy, and I just mail them to Tim, and he signs them for me and sends them back. So mm-hmm. it takes a little bit more time to get those books to, to our customers, but it's worth it just to have Tim sign it, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, people like Tim's artwork for sure. So, And he does a great oh, job definitely. of what I've seen has really looked great. So uh, I think that's an excellent thing. And, and you know, it, as much as you love the story, the artwork is going to be the first impression, and so you want to have good artwork to draw people in. <laughs> yes. So, you know, picking Tim was a good choice. <laughs> yeah, I tell that to Eric all the time and I tell it to anybody else who's in this business you know it's the story could be there you could have a fantastic story it could be the next Sin City you know or it could be the next Watchmen or whatever mm-hmm. it could be one of those story arcs that are just phenomenal mm-hmm. but if your art if it doesn't attract you right away you know when you pick up a book and go wow this looks really neat mm-hmm. nine times out of ten it, it may not do as well it may mm-hmm. not it may mm-hmm. not do as well so mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's the thing. If you've got like a Grant Morrison behind you or some other name that's going to draw people, that exactly people can do that. But if you're if you're not Grant Morrison, then it's a little harder. So that's kind of the thing about that. Now, a couple other questions I got to ask. I was looking at your website, and I got a kick out of the fact that you're having a nude cover. Yes. on there by her and this is that tim is actually going to be doing that and you have a little black and white preview of it on there and i just wondered you know we were talking about PETA. are you getting any reaction to the idea of a nude cover that uh <laughs> that you may not have expected <laughs> people love it uh, okay 
you know, we're getting a lot of positive reactions. I think people are, well, I'm not going to say people are over because people don't ever really get over certain things. And one of them, first it was, oh, why does she have to be nude? And why does it have to be a nude cover? And mm-hmm. why is she running around in a bikini? You know, why can't she be wearing normal clothes? And my argument back to that is, well, number one, she's in a jungle. So am I going to have her running around in spandex or jeans and a t-shirt? This doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. And then at first, like I mentioned, I was getting, oh, she shouldn't be naked. Why is she nude? Or why? Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, to me, it just goes with the whole animalistic, right. the whole primal, the whole savage concept behind her. Mm-hmm. And people go nuts over the nude covers. They go crazy over them. They love it. They love the fact that Tim has drawn the majority of the nude covers. And then we had Alessandro Mazzetti, who's also another DeviantArt. He does great on DeviantArt. The guy's fantastic. He did one of our nude covers for issue number two. And people go crazy over it. They love the savagery behind it. The nudity, to be quite frank with Mm -hmm. you, they, they love that part of it. So it's done well. It's done really well. Well, you know, society teaches us to draw within the lines or, you know, those kinds of things. And when you actually get outside the lines a little bit, it's actually intriguing to us because we're not used to it. So it's kind of appealing. I agree. And you know what? Not to sound like a jerk, but it's star creation. It's what we did. You know, it's what we thought of. Not you, Wayne. I'm saying this in general. (laughs) I'm saying if someone doesn't like it, then you don't got to look at it. I mean, we have other covers. Mm -hmm. We have other covers available, too, Mm -hmm. where Mm -hmm. she's not nude. You know, so Mm -hmm. it's like, look, at at the end of the day, Tim is a fantastic artist. Mm-hmm. Eric does a great job. Mm-hmm. Well, Tim Vigil signed book is nothing to shake a stick at. Mm-hmm. I mean, I stand in line and get this guy's signature if I could, mm-hmm. just because he's such a great artist. Mm-hmm. Especially if he's doing something like that, you know. I, I, I'm going to show you, or you could jump on the Kickstarter if you'd like and look at the page yourself. But mm-hmm. he did some nude covers for us. Now, man, they came out fantastic, mm-hmm. and it's just part of the story. It's part of what we've done. So. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, the other thing I saw on your website, and, uh, and to kind of come to a conclusion with this, was that you were looking for, and the, the irony of this just kills me, because Pat Broderick got into a big discussion with people about cosplayers at conventions and how he oh, didn't, right. didn't like them there. I noticed on your website that you were in the middle of a cosplay hunt. You're looking for a female cosplayer or a model who can play Primal. And this was back in July. I was just curious, did you find somebody to do that for you? Yeah, yeah, we've found a couple of folks who were uh, who've wanted to take up the reins of, of of the primal cosplay. The the biggest thing we're having an issue with is the helmet. Uh, yeah, that's the biggest thing is that we've gotten some price quotes on folks giving us. Uh, yeah, you know, I'll do I'll do the costume for you, but it's going to cost X amount of money. So it's coming, it's coming down the line. It's just. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we got to find the right person for it, but we have a few people in mind who would fit the character perfectly. So, yeah, it's just a matter of time. It's a matter of time. Okay, because I was just curious about that. I wonder if you had found somebody because, you know, with all the cosplay stuff going on right now, there are more people than ever that are doing these kinds of things. So you, it's probably easier to find somebody who could play the character right now than it has been in the past. Oh, I've seen the, the neatest costumes at these conventions. I've seen, I think one of the best ones that I've seen was Deathlock from Marvel. This guy had Deathlock down to a T. I mean, I was like, wow, this guy, he looks like Deathlock. You know, it's like Deathlock come to life. I don't mm-hmm. mind it. I think it's great. I think if you're putting that much passion into a costume and you're walking around wearing it, I mean, there's something to be spoken about someone like that who's willing to mm-hmm. go out, make their own costume, and then walk around a show wearing this costume for hours on end, sweating in it, you know, and, and you know, taking the pictures. And, yeah. you know, I, I think it's something to be said about that. Well, I get past point two. You don't want somebody like that standing in front of your booth and blocking people from getting to buy your your product (laughs) and stuff like that. So I see both sides of it. I was at Tampa Bay, had a convention, and they had an area where the cosplayers could all stand and have their photos taken. And that worked out pretty well. There was a lot of people. And there was this one guy dressed up in like some sort of robotic outfit. And he stood there for at least two hours getting his picture taken. Right. That's cool. You know? 
it could draw attention to your table too. I guess yes. you know, so it might yeah. be a good thing. <laughs> we could have her sitting at the table with you. It would be a good way to do that when that happens. That might get me. That might get me in trouble with the wife. But sure, why not? <laughs> well, it, it, it's just for the job, honey. That's all. Just it's business. It's business. Yeah, it has it's to business. Do the work. <laughs> well, it's good talking with with you. And I really like what I hear about this stuff. And I wish you a lot of success because I think that this Thanks. is a good thing. There are so many good stories out there aching to be told. I often wonder, you know, before Kickstarter. How many stories did we miss because people could not get them into print? So I agree. I just think that you I guys agree. are great, and, and you're, you're right at the right time to get these stories told. And so I'm really looking forward to seeing more about Primal and maybe bump into you guys at some convention at some point so we can talk a little bit. I'll tell you what, 2015 is going to be awesome. We have so many great things happening. David Quinn's going to be down here in January with me and Tim. And we've been brainstorming some great stuff. It's uh, well worth the investment, not only from a personal standpoint. These guys are fantastic people. We've, mm-hmm. we've built a great relationship. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you what, coming from us, from Maelstrom Comics, we have a lot of stuff in mind and a lot of stuff in store. And it's all great quality stuff. So oh. keep your eyes peeled. There's no better thing than quality reading. There really is not. And I just, when I, when I find that, I like really hard to do that. If you can get me some of the issues, what I'll try and do is write reviews on uh, Majorspoilers.com. And when they come out, so that uh, people can get some more uh, attention, focus on your books. So I'd like to see that. I'm going to send you PDFs of one, two, and the visitor the minute we hang up. I'm going to get you all three of those as soon as possible. <laughs> that would be so good. trust me. Well, that'd yes, be good. Sir. And I encourage people. Well, you know, one more question. You brought up a question that I think needs to be asked. Are you guys going to sell things digitally? Is that what's. Because I didn't see you on Comixology and I didn't see you in other places. Have you guys considered going on to like Comixology and places like that? We have, and that's mm-hmm. something that it's an avenue that we've been waiting to explore. I want to do it right once we've done it. I've heard some horror stories of people who have mm-hmm. gotten on to Comics Drive through Comicsology. I've heard some horror stories, and I want to make sure it's done correctly. I want to make sure I'm fair to everybody and that they're getting, as I mentioned, the best Maelstrom comic possible. So, yes, very near future, issues one through four will be available on there, and I want to do it right. So that's why we've been kind of waiting a little bit. But listen, if somebody wants to email me and, and I want a copy of the book I'm always welcome to emails hey I'd like to see a preview of something I don't mind sending it you know especially okay. folks like you Wayne mm-hmm. like you Wayne who have been fantastic with this mm-hmm. you will have some copies in, in the email <laughs> yeah. sometime between today and tomorrow so well if you want people to email you what's your email address it's ultrafan123 at hotmail.com. Okay. So any questions at all, give me an email. Hey, I need a preview. Show me what's going on first before I buy. I have no qualms sending somebody the first 10 pages of a book so they can take a look at it. And also, your website is maelstromcomics.com, so people want to find out more about the project and maybe get linked over to Kickstarter and stuff like that to go there and see about Primal. Ah. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Okay. Well, good talking with you, Marcelo, and uh, the best of luck. And I just know you're going to be successful as time goes forward, so I can't wait to see it. Thanks, Wayne. Thanks so much for having us on. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy, and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne. As a man, I'm flesh and blood. I can be ignored. I can be destroyed, but as a symbol. Get the latest from the comics universe. News. Interviews, previews, and reviews. Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics. Now at Majorspoilers.com. And 
that's a wrap for this episode and for 2014. Thanks for all your support and for listening again this year. And I look forward to presenting many more great interviews next year, which starts next week. But until then, keep reading your comics.